Welcome back to Dada and the King Podcast. I am your host, Robin Pendergrass. So today we're kind of going to like go away from the women's series that I've been going on. And I felt like, you know, it's just been a while since like I posted. Like, it was May 31st the last time I posted. Also, I haven't really, um, well, kind of, it was two months since I haven't posted. So, yeah, I'm back. I don't know if I'm going to continue on with the women's series right now. I just came with a word that God has given me to share. But, um, I guess you'll see if I'll be back with the women's series. I guess I will. But, um, let's go on to the topic that I'll talk about today. I'm going to talk about God's royal priesthood. Basically, I'm going to talk about how God has called all of us to be his royal priesthood. I'm just going to go into detail about this. And I'm going to read something from the New Testament and something from the Old Testament. Because even though, <coughs> even though, like, you know, Old Testament, they, like, um, have practices that we kind of don't have to practice anymore because Jesus died for us. And so we don't have to practice some of those things. But, there's like a part in Old Testament text that as Christians it's important for us to read because it really does relate to what happens in the New Testament and like what's said in the New Testament. So I'm going to start with the first, um, I'm going to start first with the New Testament. I'm going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Most you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Most you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I feel like, like, throughout this podcast episode, this verse is, like, going to, you're going to understand why I kind of read this before reading the Old Testament. And just keep in mind, um, the royal priesthood. God calls this his royal priesthood. Let's keep this in mind as I go throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament scripture that I'll be reading from is Exodus chapter 29. And so the title of this chapter is called Consecration of the Priests. And, like, okay, so what these priests do, like, back in the Old Testament days, relates to us as Christians today, because God calls us his royal priesthood. And I'm going to explain this more as I go throughout the, um, chapter. But I'm going to start reading the first three verses of Exodus chapter 29. It says, This is what you are to do to consecrate them, so they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rams without defect, and from the finest wheat flour, wheat flour, make round loaves without yeast, thick loaves without yeast, and with oil, olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves without yeast and bread with olive oil. Put them in a basket and present them along with the bull and the two rams. Okay, so I just want to give some synonyms for consecration. Because when I was studying this, I was like, what is consecration? But then God told me to look up some synonyms. And here are the synonyms that I found. 
it is to make holy, to sanctify, anointing, enthronement, exaltation, devotion, blessing, and hollow. <coughs> the purpose of the ceremony was to hollow them, that is to set the priest aside for God's purpose. So when God consecrates us, we are being set apart so we can be used by him. During the consecration process, he is making us holy, he is sanctifying us. He's anointing us, and he's giving us authority, and he's insult- and he's exalting us. The consecration also couldn't happen without shedding of the sacrificial blood. So the priest in the Old Testament they needed like some type of animal to shed the blood from him for them. But as Christians today, we have Jesus who shed the blood for us. He was our sacrificial. Um. He was the source of our sacrificial blood. And we couldn't be made holy if Jesus didn't shed his blood for us. We couldn't be made holy if Jesus didn't sacrifice himself for us. So like basically the priests without their sacri- without the sacrifice that was made for them, they couldn't be made holy. If us as Christians today we can't be made holy. We can't be sanctified. We can't be anointed. Um, if like Jesus didn't die for us, like the anointing that we have, the holiness that some of us may possess, they all came from Jesus dying on the cross for us, for Jesus dying for our sins. So just keep keep in mind where all of your anointing and your holiness and your sanctification comes from. Okay. And the ceremony for consecration required bread for fellowship with God. Consecration couldn't happen without true fellowship with God. We can't be anointed by God if we do not take the time out to fellowship with Him. Just like us today, we can't like expect to be anointed by God if we don't even spend time in our Bibles with Him, if we don't spend time in prayer or fasting. We can't expect to have the good things with God if we don't even spend time with Him. We can't just expect to constantly ask God for things and not even just say hello to Him or start our morning off at prayer with Him. We can't expect anything from God if we're not devoting our time to Him. That's like, um, that's like expecting your parent to get something for you and you're just rude and just respectful and don't even say hi to them you just like ask her for stuff and you don't even take the time out to ask them how their day was or just something like that so my whole point is we can't be anointed by god we can't have the blessings of god if we don't take the time out to fellowship with the god who gives us the blessings who gives us the anointing and who makes us whole so just take this this Take that into consideration. Now I'll go on to read verse 4. It says, Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. So the process of consecration began with cleansing. Aaron and his sons did not wash themselves. They had to receive a washing. This means that someone had to wash them themselves. This was humbling because it was taken because it took place publicly. We cannot be cleansed from our sin without being humble first. So think about it this way. <coughs> so 
So, if you've ever read the Bible before, you would probably know that every time, like, someone repented in the Bible, they would probably, like, um, do an act where they, like, fell on their face, or they would, like, cry out to God. Like, people in the Bible literally fell on their face when it came to repenting for God. And that's something um, that we should do as God's consecrated priests. We should, like... Be we should humble ourselves in order to be cleansed by God, because like humble humbling yourselves is the first step of being God's royal priesthood. Because I feel like the reason why not not a lot of people really get saved is because their pride is in the way. They don't want to let anyone like they feel like they can handle it on them on the, by themselves. They have so much pride that they can't, you know, give their worries or their burdens or their sin up to God. They feel like they can handle it on their own. They feel like life without God is good. <coughs> Sorry for the coughing. But, um, yeah, they feel like life without God is good. Their pride is getting away. But we shouldn't let our pride get in the way of coming towards God. Because I'm, I'm going to be real honest life of God is not perfect because God never promised us sunshines and rainbows but God did promise that he would help us through the tough seasons of life and we can't I don't really see how anyone can make it through tough seasons of life without having God on their side but that's just me but um that's what I was saying in order to let God in on our life, we have to humble ourselves and open up the door for Him to come in our life. I think it was in um, Revelation. I don't know the exact verse, but I know for sure it was in Revelations. It really says that we have to open the door so God can come into our life. And so basically, if we want to be cleansed from our sin, if we want to be cleansed from any mistake that we have made, we have to humble ourselves first. We have to say, God, I'm sorry. We have to say, God, I repent. Because honestly, for a lot of us, that, that might be hard for us to say. Because some of us don't like to admit what we do is wrong. But in order for us, as God's royal priesthood, we have to be humble enough to admit that we have done wrong. So, we can, so God can cleanse us from our sin. He's just not going... God is not a mean God. He's very loving. And He's willing to cleanse you of your sin. He's willing to cleanse you of your mistakes. But the only way that He can do that is if you humble yourself and allow Him to come into your life. Okay, moving on. This great cleansing was a one-time thing. From then on, they just used to cleanse their hand and feet. Like those ancient priests, every Christian is washed by the work of God's Word, by the Regenerate, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit at one time. This work was accomplished by the death of Jesus and appropriated by faith. And basically, Jesus died for us like at one time. Like it was a one-time thing. He's not going to die for us again. But keep on listening. So when we accept what Jesus did by faith, we no longer have to be burdened by sin because Jesus died for us that one time. For there on, we... When we make mistakes, we do not have to start all over again because Jesus paid the price for us that one time. 
We don't have to renew our salvation. We don't have to turn our salvation into God and we're just not saved no more. All we have to do is follow our needs and repent. All we have to do is follow our needs and be humble and apologize to God. But God is a merciful God. He's a grace, um, graceful God. He He's a God full of grace. That's what I'm trying to say. <coughs> but all you have to do is just be humble. You don't have to feel guilty for just making one mistake. Because that's, you know, just humans, we make mistakes. But we don't have to feel ashamed for making the mistakes. When we have a love of God that will just be willing to forgive us for making that mistake. But the thing is, is Jesus died for us one time. And so that one time cleanses us from our sin forever. Just keep that, keep that in mind. That one death cleansed us from our sin forever. For like the rest of our lives. For a rest for the rest of like human existence. Like the rest of human existence are are like just wiped away because Jesus did that was so powerful and like as we go out just keep in mind that Jesus death was so powerful because we're going to get into more of the sacrifices that these priests had to make and we're going to see how our sacrifice that was made for us we're going to see how that's a lot more powerful compared to the sacrifices that were made for the priests back in the Old Testament Alright, now I'll go on to read verses 5 through 9. It says, Take the garments and dress Aaron with the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Passing the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband, but the turban on his head and attach this sacred emblem to the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Rick his sons and dress them in tunics and fasten caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting order. Then you shall, then you shall ordain Aaron and all his sons. So after being cleansed, the priests had to be clothed, but they were not clothed in their own clothes. They had to put on garments given by God. Now these ancient priests, every believer. Every believer is clothed in Jesus Christ and in his righteousness. This is stated in Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. These are the clothes that are freely given by Jesus, but received and worn by faith. These garments are provided for believers. We do not have to work for them. All we have to do is simply put them on. Put on those garments that God has given you. Okay, so um, basically... The garments that God has given us, we do not have to work for it because it's freely given by Him. All we have to do is wear it by faith. It's not like a literal piece of clothing. Like, it's not something you can see. It's something that you um, probably can see, like, in your out of your spiritual eyes. Like, by seeing it by faith. That's what I mean by spiritual eyes. So you just have that garment on by faith. You got to receive that garment that God has freely given to you by faith. Alright, so the priests from the Old Testament also had to be anointed. The oil, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, was poured over their heads, indicating that it was given 
in great measure and in small measure. Like those ancient priests, every believer has an anointing that they may receive and walk in by faith. And as we said before, with like the synonyms and everything, during this consecration, if you ever go through a consecration season, God is giving you an anointing. He's trying to anoint you for what he has called you to do. And as his believers, as his royal priests, you must receive it and walk in it by faith. Okay, now I will read verses 10 through 14. It says, Bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horn of the altar with your finger and pour out the rest of it at the base of the altar. Then take all the fat on the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and both kidneys with the fat on them, and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its intestines outside the camp. It is a sin offering. The washing at the door of the tabernacle was only an aspect of the symbolic cleansing from sin. There had to be the punishment of the guilty, and this happened. Aaron and his sons, they put their hands on the hand of the bull. They symbolically transferred their sin to the bull. So basically, there had to be a punishment for their sin. Because um, originally, God made it... um, it's like that rule that says everything that every um oh I think everything has a reaction to it. That's not the right saying, but basically everything that happens has a equally opposite reaction. I think that's what it is. But basically, when um these priests sin, there had to be a price to pay for it. So, like these ancient priests, every believer can only be consecrated to God through sacrifice. Our consecration should be greater because it was made through a far greater sacrifice, the sacrifice of God's own Son. So basically, that was that what was that was what I was saying before. That Jesus' sacrifice, His sacrifice is far greater than the sacrifice that. The ancient priests are currently make well not currently making but like are making in this chapter. So basically our consecration couldn't really happen if Jesus didn't sacrifice his life for us. None of like we couldn't be anointed, we couldn't be made holy, we couldn't be made sanctified if God didn't give up his life or give up his son for us. And he only did that because he loved us. So basically all this anointing, the holiness that we strive to have, the sanctification that we have, it's like all of that came from the death of Jesus. All of that came from the sacrifice of Jesus. And we wouldn't have that if Jesus didn't sacrifice himself for us. Alright, so now let's talk about the ancient altar. The ancient altar um, in the Old Testament was like a place of death. Because, um... Like, they sacrificed animals on that altar as a way of repenting for their sin. And 
Okay, so the ancient altar was made holy and was consecrated to God. Like that ancient altar, the altar of the new covenant, the cross, the, the cross that Jesus died for, is transformed from a place of death to a place set apart to bring life. So I'm going to kind of dive in deeper with this. So basically, the cross, that's where Jesus died at. He died on that cross. That's what all the people thought. All the people that persecuted him, that's what they thought that happened. They thought that Jesus died on that cross. But little do they know that three days later, he rose again. He, he rose back to life. And basically, God has, um, and by doing that, um, we are free. It says it in the Bible. I don't know the exact verse. It says it like when Jesus did that for us, he let us when he did that, he defeated both sin and death. And um there is a verse that says sin leads to destruction, sin leads to death. So basically Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus had freed us from death. So when Jesus died on that cross for us he, he freed us from death. And by freeing us from death, we now have life. We now have freedom. Because Jesus died, because Jesus died for us on that cross, we now have life. And we have it more abundantly. And now we, like, if we live according to what God has called us to, we now have a chance of obtaining, obtaining eternal life with him in heaven. Once that time comes, we don't know when, but once that time comes. So by dying for us on a cross, Jesus has freed us from death and he has given us life. He took away death and he has given us life. He's given us a chance at better life here on earth and he gave us the chance to have a better, way better, like a thousand times better life in heaven. Eternal life. Just keep that in mind. I'm just saying, just keep that in mind. I will be coming from verses 15 through 18. Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his son shall lay the hand on its head. Slatter it and take the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces and wash the internal organs and the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma of food offering presented to the Lord. The offering at verse 12 was a sin offering. The best of the animal was brought before the Lord, and the rest was destroyed outside the camp. The sin offering symbolizes repenting for not giving our best to God. And from here on out, we will give our best to God. That's basically what the priests were saying when they were giving the sin offering. Because they were giving the best of the ram to God. And the offering at verse 18 was a birth, burnt offering. The ram was completely burnt before the Lord with his blood sprinkled on the altar. This offering symbolizes repenting from failing to give are also that so basically by like sacrificing the whole ram 
it was symbolized as like the priests giving their all to God. So basically, during this consecration season that the priests were in, they were um, repenting for not getting their best from God and saying, from now on, I'm going to give my best to you. And they were also repenting for not giving their all to God. And now, like, during this consecration of the season, they're saying um, that they're going to give their all to God from now on. Okay, so Jesus was our sacrifice. He himself sacrificed for himself so that we can strive to give our best to God and to give our all to him. So, like, as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us as Christians, as believers, as his royal priesthood, we shall always strive to give our best to God and to give our all to him. Because God, right now, God has called us to a consecration season. And right now, he wants us to give our best to him, best to him, and he wants us to give our all to him. Because God deserves our all. He deserves our best. Because if you look through the Bible, you'll see all the things that he has done for us and all the things that he will continue to do. So in return, the like, best thing we can do is to give our all to him and just give our best to him. Whatever you got. He's not a picky guy. He'll take whatever you got. If you don't have a lot right now, he'll take whatever you got. Maybe your heart is broken. He will, if you give that heart to him, he will treasure it like it's gold. He just wants you to give it your all. And he wants to give your, he wants you to give your best to him. Okay. So now I'll read verses 19 through 21. It says, Take the other room. And Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head, slaughter it, and take some of the blood, take some of its blood and put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. Then splash blood against the sides of the altar. And take some blood from the altar and some of the anointed oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments, and on his sons and their garments. That he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. Okay, so the atonement for their sin was performed with a sin and burnt offering. Yet in their consecration, the priests still had to identify with the sacrificial victim. Their identification with the sacrifice was beyond what beyond. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. What beyond atonement? Okay, so to express the idea of consecration, blood from the ram was placed on their ear, their thumb, yeah, their thumb and the toe of the priest. It was blood from the ram. God wanted the life of the sacrificial victim to be um, marked on the consecrated priest. So those consecrated priests were stained with the blood of sacrifice. So basically, by having the blood placed on their ear, this symbolizing them being able to hear differently. By the blood being placed on their thumb, this symbolizes them being able to work differently. By the blood being placed on their toe, this symbolizes that they will walk differently. And also, specifically, it was applied to the right ear, hand, and foot. The right side was considered superior 
with more strength and skill. You'll see that as you read the Bible, like Jesus sitting on the right hand of God, you know, because that's um, symbolizes superior and with more strength and skill. So basically, God wanted their best to be dedicated to him. So, God wants the blood of Jesus to mark his priests of today. Because, you know, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He is our sacrifice. As a believer today, Jesus is our sacrifice. And God wants the blood of Jesus to be marked on us. Because we are his priesthood. The blood of Jesus is placed on our ears so we should be able to hear differently. If we are true believers of God, the blood of Jesus should be marked on us. And if the blood of Jesus is placed in our ear, we should be able to hear differently. If the blood of Jesus is placed on our hands, we should be able to work differently. If the blood of Jesus is placed on our foot, we should be able to walk differently. God wants the best to be dedicated to him. By this, this goes back to saying that God wants the best out of us. Sometimes our best may not look like someone else's best, but God wants our best. It may look different for each and everyone, but it doesn't matter to God. God wants to see your best. He wants to see what you have to offer, what you will give for Him. He wants you to give His heart, give your heart to Him. That's, um, in God's eyes, our best is giving our hearts to Him, our time to Him, our life to Him, etc. Alright, so basically, yeah, he, um, God wants the blood of Jesus to cover our lives as royal priesthood, as his royal priesthood. Okay, so the blood of Jesus wasn't enough. Well, no, sorry, I'm going to say that. But the blood alone wasn't enough. The blood of this sacrificial animal, it wasn't enough. God wanted the blood mixed with oil and to have the mixture sprinkled on the priest. There was a combination of both a sacrifice and a spirit. Remember, if you see like um, oil in the Bible or like someone being anointed with oil, that symbolizes the spirit being poured onto them. So, priests today, we have the double anointed too. We um, have the blood of Jesus anointed on us, and we have the Holy Spirit poured on us. As royal priesthood, as God's royal priesthood, we should have both. We should have the blood of Jesus poured on us and the Holy Spirit. So now I will read verses 22 and 28. It says, Take from this ram the fat, the tail, the fat on the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, both kidneys with the fat on them, and the right thigh. This is the ram from the ordination. Then a basket of bread made without yeast, which is before the Lord, take one round loaf, one thick loaf, without olive oil mixed in, and one thin loaf. Put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons, and have them wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar along with the burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, a food offering presented to the Lord. After you take the breast of the ram for Aaron's ordination, wave it before the Lord as a wave offering, and it will be your share. Consecrate those parts of the ordination ram that belong to Aaron and his sons, the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. This is always to be the perpetual share from the Israelites from Aaron and his sons. It is the contribution the Israelites are to make 
to the Lord from their fellowship offerings. Alright, so the remaining meat portions of this ram were given to Aaron and the other priests. After those portions were presented to God as a wave offering, it was then cooked and eaten by the priests during the days of their consecration ceremony. The eating did not begin the process of consecration. This one is that the eating, the eating of the meats did not start before the consecration, before the cleansing, and all the um the um the clothing. You know, it didn't start before all of that. So um. It came after the washing, came after the clothing, clothing, and it came after the blood atonement for the priests. So, eating in this sense speaks of the continuing relationship of the priests with God. So basically, by like them eating being the last thing they do, symbolizes their continuing fellowship with God. So in this way, eating is a good picture of a healthy, continuing relationship with Jesus. Eating is very personal. No one can eat for you. You can't, like, ask someone to eat for you and you will be full. You can't really ask them to do that. You have to eat for your own. You have to take the time out to feed yourself for your own. Like, feeding yourself is your own responsibility. And it's the same with our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is our own responsibility. Our relationship with God doesn't depend on the grandma that prayed for us, or the mom that prayed for us, or the dad that prayed for us. It doesn't depend on anyone else. Your relationship with God depends on you. Because when you go before God, He's not going to act about what your grandma prayed, what your mom prayed, what this person prayed. He's going to ask about what you did, what you did, how you had a relationship with God. So... We can't ask anyone to, like, have a relationship with God for us. We need to have a relationship with God on our, like, ourselves. And next thing is, eating is inward. It does no good to be around food or to rub it on the outside of your body. You must take it in. We must take Jesus in ourselves inwardly. It doesn't, it's not enough to just go to church and be around Christians and be around people that pray and be around people that read the Bible. It's not enough. That's not enough. We have to, like, take what we learn from church and put it in us. We have to, like, go back and study it. And we have to go back in and just read the Bible for ourselves. We have to go back in and pray for ourselves. We have to go back in and worship God for ourselves. Because we must... We must take in God for ourselves. We can't ask. Well, um, you can ask people to pray for you, but if you're not praying for yourself, then it it's just pointless. But we have to ask. Um, God's word precept. We have to take in Jesus for ourselves. Okay, eating is also active. No one can eat while being asleep. We must actively take Jesus unto ourselves. All right. So God has His part. God will do his part. He's not going to do his part if we don't do our own part. Like, if we're just sitting around being lazy and being asleep all the time, all the time and not doing what God has called us to do, then we're just going to miss out. And it's not going to be our fault. It's not going to be God's fault. It's going to be our fault. Because we weren't the ones being, like, we weren't actively taking this in unto ourselves. We have to do that. 
this you know um god loves to hear that we love him but he loves it more when we show it show that we love him and we have to do that actively okay and eating arises out of a sense of need and produces a sense of satisfaction we still have a healthy relationship with jesus and we sense our need for him and receive the satisfaction the relationship brings so basically a healthy relationship with god is when we sense that we need him that's my that's the main thing we need a sense that we need him and then once we sense that we need him we will receive the satisfaction of that the relationship will bring we will sense the joy that god brings up to us we will sense the love and the happiness that god gives to us because that's the satisfaction that the relationship brings from sensing our need for jesus in our lives Okay, so before I end this out, I just want to give like some few announcements. So now I used to have this, but I kind of forgot about it. But um, there's a way that you can send me a voice message. Say if you want to ask me a question, you can do that. You can send me a voice message and you can just um, ask your question. Here's the thing, you can also give me your permission to put it in the next podcast episode that you will hear. So, if you want to be in the next podcast episode, then you can send a voice message and I'll try my best to answer your question. Also, if you're a Spotify listener, um, there's you can answer questions, like any question that I just um, think of, you can answer like those questions. And basically, it's just a way for us to interact with each other and to get to know more about each other. Um, I'm excited about this, so I hope you are too. Just remember, you can voice message me. And if you are a um, Spotify listener, you can also ask me questions. Well, you can also reply to my question is what I meant. But if you want to voice message, if you want to voice message me, sorry, there's a link in the bio under the um in the description. So yeah, if you want to do that, then you can if you want. Not saying you have to, but you can if you want. All right. Okay, so I'm gonna stop it right here because if I keep on going, this episode will be like an hour long. So I'm gonna stop it right here. And basically, this is just part one about learning about God's royal priesthood. If you want to learn more about God's royal priesthood, please stay around and look out for part two. Because part two is already recorded. I recorded it all at the same time. But I have to cut it in half so it won't be as long. So I hope you enjoyed part one of God's royal priesthood. And I hope that the word blessed you because it really blessed me. Have a blessed day.